Amen. It just didn't go how we were hoping, right? Am I right? Anybody in the room agree with me? Like three people. Come on, you guys. We are in West Virginia right now. Thursday night was a tough night on the basketball court, but I wanted to be faithful to my Mountaineers, so I wore the uh, Centerpoint WVU shirt. Um, so there it is. There it is. So <clears throat> Some of you probably know this, but I uh, actually went to college out of WVU. My wife and I were out there as students and um, loved it out there. I guess that's where I became a Mountaineer fan. But um, over the years, I've thought back on an experience that I had out there that, uh, that I want to share with you today. Now, when you're a student in a community like that, you know, you get to know it pretty well. I was a student out there in Morgantown and you're driving around all over the place. You know, you try to look for ways to avoid the traffic jams and that kind of stuff. It's just what you do. And I uh, was there for a few years, and then the Lord picked us up and brought, here to Mar- brought us here to Martinsburg. And uh, I, was in the re- I was in the Army then, I was in a reservist, and um, had to find a, a military unit here. And so I was part of the 157th Military Police Company here in Martinsburg. Hoorah, anybody? No, all right, there's one or two of us, okay. And we, we got a pretty cool duty as part of this military police group here in Martinsburg. Part of a National Guard unit, so which that means we also are, are part of the, under the governor's um, jurisdiction. And he would put us on, on specialized duties in the state. And once in a while, neat opportunities come your way. And for my few years that I was serving at the 157th, I got an awesome duty every single fall. And it was this. I got to go out to Morgantown and direct traffic for the football games. Now that was a cool, awesome experience. Because part of the deal was you direct traffic like before the game. You get people into the stadium. You've probably seen some people maybe years back. I'm not sure they do it anymore. But in military uniforms, then you've got like state policemen and that kind of thing who are doing it as well. Get people to the stadium. So we get people into the games. And then we could go in and watch the game. And we watched it in this, this enclosed area behind one of the uh, end zones. There's this glass-end area. And inside was a full-course, unbelievable buffet. And so we would go in there and just eat the whole time. I mean, the best food you could ever imagine and watch the game. It was the greatest duty in the world. It was so cool. Now, the only catch was, the only bad part was, when there were five minutes left in the game, we had to leave, okay? The beauty of it was, W was always losing at that point, so it really didn't matter, you know? The game was over. But I remember one particular game. I think we were playing Miami. And we won that night, okay? This is probably the early 90s, and it was, it was, uh, it was, an, it was an awesome night. And so we go out to there on Beechhurst Avenue. That was the, the traffic light that I had. And here's how it worked. They would pair up each one of us, on the, one of the National Guardsmen, with a state trooper. And we would go to an intersection, and my job was to do this. Okay? I, that's, all I was, that's just an arrow. Okay? That's all I was doing. Just directing people through the traffic. And once in a while, you know, you need to stop. And this trooper that I was with, this state policeman who was like six foot, you know, a hundred, this giant mountain of a man, okay, I was, I was partnered with him. And, and he's over here, and I'm just kind of watching what he does and just sort of mimicking his behavior. You know, he does this, so what do I do? I do that, okay? And he scratches his nose, and I find myself, you know, scratching my nose watching him. So I, I, I walk over, I move as, as we're there in the intersection, I start moving over towards him because I can see this thing happening. Cars would slow down in the middle of this intersection. Traffic is crazy. I mean, at one point, the officer says to me, stop traffic, stop traffic. And we stop the traffic. And about, I don't know, a couple hundred students come through our intersection carrying the goalpost. Okay, that was a kind of a cool moment. But traffic is unbelievable. 
I mean, cars all over the place. It's just, it's a madhouse when this, when this, you know, these, these games end. And so I'm working my way over there because I can see this thing happening. Cars would slow down. They'd roll their window down. They would talk to the trooper I was with. He would say a few things and then they would go away. And I was like, what's, what's going on here? You know, I, I want to learn. I, w- I want to know what, what to do. So I kind of work my way over, you know, doing this, all right? And, and I'm listening to what's happening. This window rolls down. The driver says, uh, officer, can you help me out? And the officer's there, you know, what do you want, peon? You know, speaking to him in and, and, and a harsh voice. And the guy says, how do I get to the Stray Cat Cafe? It was this restaurant that was there then. I don't think it is anymore. But how do I get to the Stray Cat Cafe? He says, next light, turn right, keep going, can't miss it. And the guy does that. And I'm like, well, that's odd because that's not where the Stray Cat Cafe is. Another car comes down, slows down, okay? He says, Officer, uh, how do I get the rugby's? Which was another restaurant at the time. It's not there anymore. He said, it's easy. Go to the light, turn right, keep going. You can't miss it. I listen, everybody who asked directions got the same answer. And I know where you went when you turned right and kept going. You went nowhere. That road just went forever. There was nothing out there. But everybody got the same direction. Go to the right, go to the next light, turn right, keep going. You can't miss it. Well, after the, all the, the hustle and bustle of, of what all was happening, I mean, I was partnered with this guy. I worked with him every single week. I remember him, I'm like, oh, I don't remember his name. I said, Officer, you know, I hate to tell you this, but. That's not how you get to rugby's. That's not how you get to the straight cafe. I said, what are you doing? He's like, I don't care where they go. I just want them out of my intersection. <laughs> I still wonder, you know, it's been like 20 years. Or somebody saw it there. No, honey, I'm telling you, the straight cat cafe is out here. I mean, they were, they're looking and looking and looking, and they're never going to find it. Now, what's the point of that? Listen, who we take direction from, so important. It's so important. Who we receive our input from. Who is directing you? Who is, where do you go when you want counsel on how to live your life? Because you know what? Life is coming at us really, really fast. I know it. And we need input. And we've got to be very careful where we are receiving input. I want to tell you. I've got a real heart for for you and our church. I've got a real desire for us that we live in such a way that we are remaining connected with our Father and that we are receiving input that is righteous and true and correct because God wants to conform you to the image of His Son. And this world just wants, wants you to do anything else, just basically get out of their way because they have something they're trying to accomplish. we got to recognize that we are surrounded by people who are giving bad counsel, who are, who are providing horrible input, who are directing us the wrong way. And if we're not careful who we're listening to, if we're not hearing things for what they really are, we will be misdirected. We'll we'll be sent down a wrong way, down a dead-end street. 
And sadly, what happens is you get out there far enough when you finally realize I took the wrong road, I listened to the wrong counsel, and for many of us, for many people, the damage has been already been done. Here's what I want to talk about the next three weeks. Our, our pastor elder team have put our heads together over the last eight years. We've kept our heads together at times. And we've thought about what, what do we want to see true of the people in our church? What, what, what do we want to see God do in people's lives? What is God calling us to as followers of Jesus? And I've got three things I want to share with you, and I, and I, want, to, I want to expound on them over the next couple of weeks. And I'm asking you to trust that God's Word has the best counsel for you today. I'm told that GPS systems work through the use of connecting with at least three satellites, right? You know, the GPS on your car, the GPS in your hand, the one in your phone. It's searching for, for satellites. It's got to have three, I believe, okay, to triangulate where you are in the world. And today what we want to do is we want to look at three things. We're going to really narrow down on one, but I want to just ask you, how are you doing in three areas? And I think they're up on the screen, or at least they can be. Number one, your intimacy with God. I mean, if you were going to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate your intimacy with God? Would you know what to ask yourself? Would you have any idea what to look for? That you're connected with the God of the universe? You have relationship with Him? You have a close fellowship with God? That God is right, is near you all the time and you know it? That His Spirit is indwelt you. you. His Spirit lives inside of you and you are connected with Him. Intimacy with God. If you're going to give yourself a score from 1 to 10, well, how would you rate yourself? I hope by the time we're done today, you could do that in a little better way. And then secondly, our, our elders have put together this, this kind of three satellites. Second one, your community with others. How are you, do you have fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you have people in your life? Do you have people who are, who are giving you input and who are receiving your input that you serve one another? I used to say it this way, and it still works. If the, ho- if you, if the roof on your house blew off, because it can happen, is there somebody that you would call and say, help me? Okay, here's maybe a better question. If the roof blew off your house, Is there somebody in your life who would even know it? That's the real question. Apply that to the spiritual aspects of your life. I mean, if the roof blows off your house, you call me, I'm coming to do all I can. Anybody, a pagan will come running when the roof blows off your house. But spiritually, if things are in shambles, Is there anybody in your life who would even know it? If the answer to that question is no, don't don't point your fingers at other people. Evaluate you. Evaluate you. Are you opening up yourself in a way? Are you opening up your life in a way that says, listen, 
if the roof is flying off of my house, tell me. Tell me. I find sometimes the people who don't have that are just so defensive. And they're, they're so difficult to, to come to that honestly people are, are afraid. There are many believers, I'm telling you, let me just speak honest to you. There are believers that people are afraid to come to you and share with you spiritually that the roof has blown off your house. They're afraid. See, this is, as, as elders, as, as pastor elders, as, as shepherds of the flock, we recognize this is the mark. This is a satellite for a, for a mature believer. They have intimacy with God. They have community with others. And they are experiencing influence in their world. Jesus says that we are to be in the world, but not of it. His, his, his call was for us to be like salt and like light and like a city on a hill. That where we go that follow along with us when you walk into work, when you walk into Walmart, when you walk into your home, what is to come with you is the aroma of Christ, Paul said. We're supposed to just, when we come into a room, it's supposed to be just Jesus is there. And some people don't want it. And honestly, they think it's a stench and they say, get away from me. I don't like the smell of Jesus, as weird as that is. They don't like that aroma. But other people, because God is working in their heart, are drawn, are drawn to the aroma of Christ, this influence in our world. So here's what we're going to do. Here's our plan for the next three weeks and then a little more. Today we're going to talk about intimacy with Christ. And I, want to, I really want to, I want to drill down on this and I want to challenge you in some very specific areas for you to evaluate how are you doing in your personal walk with the Lord And I want you to see, I mean more than reading your Bible, although that is essentially part of it. Then next we're going to talk about your community with others. Are you experiencing relationships with other believers? Do you you live a life that opens yourself up to other people? That's how this works. The Bible said it this way. If you want friends, parents, what have we all told our kids? What are you supposed to do? Make yourself angry, critical, defensive. What's that a great way to do, parents? That's what's that a great thing to do? Drive them away, right? Make yourself friendly, Proverbs says. And then next we're going to talk about influence in our world and what God calls us to. Then it'll be Easter. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. So excited about that. And then we're going to talk about, for the next couple weeks after that, what God's ultimate call is on our life. So I'm very excited. I'm very excited for what God has in store for us. So, but for today, I want you to turn in your Bible to a very familiar passage of Scripture. But man, it is a, it's, it's an awesome one. If you have not memorized this, you have now received a, an assignment. You are to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You must memorize it. Okay, I'm telling you, write it on an index card, but write it on your arm, write it someplace and memorize it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I want you to see today that in this passage, we find intimacy with God. God and what it means, 
what it means to have intimacy with God. I want to take just a minute to talk about what it doesn't mean. Okay? What intimacy with God doesn't mean. I've got to give you three warnings. What intimacy, intimacy with God doesn't mean. First of all, it does not mean the same thing as familiarity with God. Familiarity. Familiarity is just to simply know about Him. Being familiar with God is not the same as being intimate with God. You can know all about God and have no intimacy with Him. An example. Some of you remember collecting football cards, right? Me too. When I was a kid, I had the backs of my favorite, car, my favorite players memorized. I knew what Earl Campbell's number was, where he went to college, how much he weighed, how tall he was. I mean, all these. And you don't even know who he even is. But I loved him. And I knew all about him. But I had no relationship with him. I was familiar with him. So familiarity and intimacy are not the same thing. That is why it is that you can be around God and around this church and around this people your whole life and not have intimacy. There are some of us in this room probably who have been around this stuff for for years and we are not experiencing intimacy with the Lord. Secondly, the thing that it isn't is it's not proximity. It's not proximity. Just being here doesn't make you intimate with God. Just being around His his people and His presence doesn't work. Nor is it prosperity. Here's what I mean. Some of us got saved because we didn't want to go to hell. We wanted to prosper and not burn in hell. So we got saved. Listen, if that's the extent of your relationship with God, just what I'm going to get... That's not intimacy with God. I want us to experience intimacy with Him. Scripture and experience teach us this fact. Now listen, and this is very important for us to realize. The Word of God teaches us this this very hard truth. Okay? We determine, you and I, we determine the degree of intimacy that we have with God. You determine your intimacy with God. God doesn't. God has no favorites. God is not holding somebody else as their favorite and He's more close to them. He is available to all of us. So the degree of our intimacy is determined by us. You determine how close you, with the intimacy you experience with the Lord. A.W. Tozer said it this way, God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites, but He does have intimates. He does. He has people who choose to live out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Start out with the first one here, the first phrase, okay? Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I want to give you a, a way you can, you can remember what intimacy with God starts like in your life. This is not original with me. I stole this from a book that I just love by, by an author named Dan Spader. It's a great illustration for us. The first thing that we have to understand, if we're going to experience intimacy with God, the first thing we have to know is we've got to know who we are. 
who we are. I want to start with trust in the Lord. Go ahead, one more forward, Randy. And I want to focus on our identity. Our identity. Take a brand new baby, all right? Maybe, maybe God blessed you with a child sometime in your life. And the first thing that you probably did when that child was born is you gave them a name. And you start early on teaching them their name. That's the first step of intimacy. You have to know your identity and God's identity. You've got to know who God is and who you are. And so the passage, Proverbs 3, 5, starts out with, Trust in the Lord. That is all about my identity, and it's all about God's identity. I'm not going to trust myself anymore. I have learned the lesson about, my, about me and, and my decisions. I'm untrustworthy. But the Lord, Yahweh here, okay, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, we are to trust in Him. This is the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping, relationship matters, life-giving God of the Old Testament. The one who started it all and said that He will create us, that we may have a relationship with Him. He brought us into, into existence so we can know Him. The word trust here, and listen to what it means, because this is fascinating. It means to feel safe, confident. It can even mean carelessness. Trust in the Lord. It can even mean carelessness. And so the idea here, the, the concept is that our trust in God is so great that other people who see us are like, man, why aren't you worrying? Why aren't you upset? Please wring your hands for all of us. Mm, no. Not those who are intimate with God. They've learned to trust Him because they have learned who God is and who they are. To have intimacy with God, i got to know who He is. I need input from other people to tell me who He is, to remind me what the character of God is, to remind me what the truth is of God. Because the whole world out here is all telling me a false narrative. They're telling me things that aren't true. And I come here and with other believers throughout the week as I find ways to bring that into my life. And I have to remind me of the character of God. It's essential for us that once we have intimacy with God that we know who He is. Know God and know who you are in Him. I'm a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I'm a brand new creature. I understand what the gospel means. I know what it means that Jesus died for sins, was buried, and rose again victorious over death. I know that in Christ, I'm a brand new person. I've been made alive. Ephesians 2, 5. You see, everything is different now. Everything is different I've been made into a creature that can have relationship with God. I'm no longer dead. I'm not a dead man who cannot respond to God. I'm a made alive creature. And so that's the first thing that I got to know. And it's much, like, it's much like the raising of a child. They've got to know who they are and who mom and dad are. But that's not all they know. That's not all they know. Secondly, for us today, we're going to go on to trust in the Lord. Okay, look what it says here. With all your 
heart. Now, what is the heart? Now, listen, this is, this is so important. Your heart is not that organ in the middle of your chest that pumps blood throughout your body. That is not what this metaphor in the Hebrew language, heart, meant. Heart means the inner man. It means who you really are. It's the places where decisions are made. It's the thing that becomes evident for everybody else to say. Somebody said, it's the youiest part of you. I like that. That's what the heart is. It's not just what you think. It's not just what you do. It's not what you say. It is the gut, the gut person that you are. It is the thing of you that is wrapped in flesh right now. This is our heart. And it reveals itself in our life. It reveals ourself in our walk. To have intimacy with God is just like a brand new child. You've got to teach them who they are, and you've got to teach them how to walk. You've got to teach them how to walk. I remember our children learning to walk, you know, that... that like, bend your legs, kid. You know, come on, you can do this. And, and early on, you know, you really struggle. But man, I tell you what, every one of my kids can probably beat me in a foot race now. There was a time when I could outwalk them any day. But they're faster than me. They learned to walk. We as believers must learn to walk. And not in a physical sense like this walking for us, trusting the Lord with all your heart. The New Testament way of, you, of, of, of really explaining that same truth. The New Testament way in Greek language to speak of the heart is to use the phrase, the walk. So 1 John 2, 6 says that we are to walk as Jesus walked. That's what 1 John 2, 6 says. We look at, at the youiest part of Jesus, okay? At, at, the, at, the, at the heart level of him, what he depended upon, who he was, how he operated in his life. Not just the things that he said, not just the things that he did, but the motive and the driving truth behind Jesus. And we are to walk as he walked. So I operate in my life in such a way that I am I am honestly mirroring the same priorities and the same things that drove Jesus. When Jesus lived on this planet, he was connected with God the Spirit. He was driven by the will of God that he would exalt God in his life. There was a passion and love for other people. There was a dependence upon God's word. And it was evidenced through his prayer life. And these things should characterize our walk as well. You want to be intimate with God? Know who you are, know who God is, understand identity, and secondly, your walk. Your walk, how you live your life, how, how you think, how, what, what your priorities are. Let Jesus make your priorities match His. This is what we look for if we are intimate with God. He makes our walk like Jesus' walk. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just a few more examples to understand how important this is. Listen to these from the Old Testament, okay? In Genesis 6-6, 6, 
when God looked at, at, the, at the people of the world, this is as he's telling Noah to build the ark, okay? It says that God was grieved in his heart. See, when the Hebrew authors wanted to express the youiest part of you, who you really are, the Hebrews said, heart. When we talk about what makes you tick, what, what brings you alive, what drives you, how you live, how your life is reflected, we call it your walk. Take Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Moses said, let my people go. And what's the Bible say about Pharaoh? What was hard? His heart. His heart. You see, our walk matters. Our heart matters. This is why it is that, that the Old Testament prophets would say, hey, listen, leave your sacrifice at home. I do not want your offering. I want your obedience. I want your heart. This is what we look for in your intimacy with God. You know who you are. You know who you are. You know who God is. And the things that drive you, the youiest part of you, is like Jesus. Moving along in the passage. You had this memorized, by the way? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let me, let me just do a quick advertisement for Scripture memory, okay? Here's what I do. Here's what I do, and this is a great thing for you to do. I take an index card, okay? It's nothing fancy. I got no magic potion for you, all right? But I take an index card, and I write very plainly on the top of it, very plainly what the reference is. I like to know the address, okay? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And then I write it down on my index card in phrases, and I memorize it in phrases. Trust in the Lord. That's my first phrase on my card. That's the first, that's the first line. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart. That's my second phrase. Okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Now, I don't just write it, although that's very important. Now, I place it in my vehicle. Okay? Place it in my vehicle. And it's someone there. And I'm riding down the road. And when you see me, you're riding down the road going, I'm probably, I'm more than likely not talking on my cell phone, okay? Trying not to do that, all right? I, I'm a little bit less likely t- talking to myself. I do that sometimes, all right? I know it's a little weird, but hey, you know, I understand me, okay? But often I'm just trying to put memory in my heart. You know why? Because Jesus did. And I want to walk as he walked. That's not it. That's not it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Or ESV says, do not lean on your own understanding. Now, this is really important. Not only do we teach a child who they are and we teach them how to walk, but we've got to teach them how to feed themselves. They have to know how to feed themselves. I mean, it's kind of cute when a two-year-old, you know, has got food smashed all over their face, but it's not very cute when it's a 22-year-old, right? Not cute at all. We've got to teach people, and we have to learn how to feed ourselves. And Proverbs has given us a warning. Do not lean on your own understanding. Lean means to, it doesn't mean this necessarily. It doesn't mean like leaning against the wall. That's not what it actually means. It actually means to support. It means to hold up. To support oneself. To provide support is what it means. When Samson is there in that 
you know, in that arena and he's blinded and God's spirit's going to use him one more time. He asked the servant to take him to the pillar that he might lean against the tower. Lean against the pillar. And that doesn't mean he's taking a break on it. That means he goes to the thing that is supporting it. That is supporting the structure. And what's he do? Pushes it over. Do not lean on your own understanding. Listen, every person who tries to find God within themselves finds paganism. Look inside yourself for God and you won't find Him. He's not in there before Jesus. He's not. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not be supported by your own understanding. To be intimate with God, I've got to know who I am. I've got to walk as Jesus walked and I've got to know how to feed myself. And I feed myself primarily from the Word of God. From the Word of God. Jesus said this, John 17, 17. Now listen to this. This is one I had on a card, okay? It's short. You can memorize this one in a day. You can memorize it in the next three minutes. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. In a prayer of Jesus was sharing with God the Father for us as believers. He said, sanctify them by your truth. The word sanctify, it means to make them uniquely special yours. God, make them yours. Make them uniquely, specially yours. Sanctify them by your truth, Jesus prayed. That's not all he said. Now listen. Sanctify them by your truth, by the truth. Your word is truth. You hear that? You hear that little property of logic going on there? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So God uniquely creates us and allows us to see us as uniquely His special creature. That's what the word sanctify means. Through His Word. Through His Word. You know this is all through. It's all through your Bible. And here's what you need to know about how to feed yourself. Now listen to this. You need to know how to eat. You need to know how to eat, how to read your Bible in a way that, that encourages you towards proper growth. How to eat. I need to know what to eat and what not to eat, right? I need to know what I should consume and bring it on my body and what not to eat. The world right now, the, the American Christian world has just been enamored with this book, The Shack, right? It is over, it's all over the place. If you want to see information about it, just go on Facebook anytime the last two weeks. It's all over the place. Example of what not to eat. Instead, what I eat is God's Word. This is how I feed my soul. As a believer, if you, are, if you don't know who you are, if you're not walking your walk, reflecting the motives and the priorities of Jesus and you aren't learning to feed yourself, you will not experience intimacy with God. You won't. You will not. And remember, the level of my intimacy with the Lord is determined by A, birth. Huh? Huh? No? Okay. B, time served. Huh? No, no, no. Okay. C, the people I hang out with. No, no. D is the answer, me. 
The level of my intimacy with God is determined by me. Here it is in James chapter 4. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So don't look at other people with envious eyes and think, man, why can't I have that kind of relationship with God? Let me tell you the cold, hard fact truth. Those people that you see who have intimacy with God, they've invested. They've invested to be there. Do the same. Feed, feed. Next, go back to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's the identity. There's my walk. And do not lean on your own understanding. There's feeding myself with the proper truth. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. The word acknowledge means to perceive or to notice. Think about that. In all your ways, notice Him. He's there. In all your ways, notice God. Now here's how... I want to challenge you, and our, our elder team is, is challenging you. And that is your identity, know how to walk, know how to feed, and now know how to talk. Know how to talk. In all your ways, acknowledge, notice, perceive, recognize Him. To have intimacy with God I need to be communicating with the Lord. I need to have prayer in my life. I need to have vertical communication with God. Regularly, throughout my day, I am aware, I perceive that Jesus is with me. Matthew 28, verse number 20. And lo, I am with you always. He is with us. Behold, Jesus says, I am with you. He is with us. He, he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans, John chapter 15. See, feed on the word of God. I'm not leaving you as orphans. No. I will send another, that's John chapter 14, and he will be a counselor to you. Jesus has sent his spirit to be with us. Acknowledge him. Perceive his presence. Know that he is there. And know that he longs to hear from you. Parents and non-parents, listen to this. Back to parents. You know how you love to talk to your kids? You want to talk to them. Teens in the room, this probably drives you nuts. I know, I remember. Get over it, grow up, get over it. They want to talk to you. They birthed you, they deserve it, okay? She deserves your communication. Talk. It's, it's, the very, it's, it's a natural thing that the originator wants to communicate with the one that he created. It's just a natural thing. God has recreated us. And he desires to have communication with us. It's one of the many things that separates us from the animal kingdom. Okay, no dog is talking to God. Sorry. Don't throw anything. I love your pet. It's cute and all that. But it is not having conversation with God. Doesn't have a soul. But humans can acknowledge Him. Proverbs says, in all your ways, 
a dependence upon prayer. We have vertical communication. And I am sharing him horizontally. He's right there with me. I notice him with me. So I'm talking about him with other people. This is what intimacy with God looks like. I'm with him vertically. We're talking. And as I'm out rubbing shoulders, he flows out onto other people. I remember one time having a teenager. You know, I spent 11 years as a youth pastor. You should pat me on the back, okay? And say, good job. How did you do it? Just kidding. It was a great ministry. But it is challenging. It's challenging. Because teenagers haven't learned sometimes not to just say what they're thinking. Right? And so I had this teenager one time. comes to me and, well, I'm not bringing my friend out to youth group. I'm like, okay, why not? All you talk about is Jesus. I'm like, well, thanks. That's my goal. That's great. He thought he was like, you know, slamming me. I'm like encouraged. I'm like, man, I'm doing something right. I'm talking about Jesus. Talk in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Perceive him. Notice him. I'm vertically talking. I'm horizontally talking. Okay? And then lastly, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Okay, now this, this is pretty cool, all right? And I, for sake of time, I won't bore you with all the coolness. But um, this word paths, it's in your Old Testament. The Hebrew word is in your Old Testament 58 times, Okay? 45 times it's in your wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, Job, okay? So what's that tell us? This word, paths, it describes kind of like, it's another metaphor in a figurative way, how our life goes. How our life goes. It's how your life goes. You know, you can have, your life does this, does it not? It does this. And what the paths is, is sort of like the general trend that that life takes. And here's a reality. We as believers, some days, man, we're up here, right? We're, we're doing good, you know, on this thing, okay? Sometimes we're up here and we're, we're obeying God. We're in His Word. We know who we are. We're walking as Jesus walked. We're feeding ourselves in His Word. We're talking to God hor- vertically. We're talking to Him horizontally. Someday we're up here. And in other days, bottom out, and we're down here, right? You ever have those days? Or am I the only one? Oh, okay, now I finally got a head shake. Thank you. Some days we mess up. Well, let's go back to that little child. That little baby. That toddler. You got to teach them who they are. You got to teach them how to walk. You got to teach them how to feed themselves. You've got to teach them how to talk, but you better teach that child how to clean up their mess, right? You've got to learn to teach them not to go in that diaper anymore and how to clean themselves up. The passage says that God, with this great identity of Yahweh, we're going to trust Him with all of our heart, and we're not going to lean our understanding. And in all our ways, we're going to acknowledge Him, and He will make our paths straight. You see, what happens is we mess up, and we've got to know what to do. You're going to sin. 
You are. You're, you're not powerless to resist it. Not anymore. Not in Jesus. But you're going to sin. Well, what do you do about that? What do you do about that? You need to know. It's part of your intimacy with God. You know what to do. When you come under the conviction of God's Spirit who now indwells you. When God's Spirit comes and convicts you about your thought. When God convicts you about your envy. When God convicts you about your defensiveness. When God convicts you about your attitude. You know what to do. You know what to do. You have a choice, by the way. You can either respond to that conviction or you can slip into condemnation. Conviction is when the Spirit of God impresses upon you that what you, are, what you did or thought or, or thinking or whatever is not in line with God. And so what I do is I confess that to God as sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when I come into the conviction of God's Spirit about something that I did and I confess it to the Lord as sin, Spirit of God is active in my life. And God is directing my path. Now, that's what you're supposed to do when you mess up. What's the alternative? What's the alternative? The alternative is condemnation. And that's this. So I realized that I did wrong. I realized that I envied. I realized that I lusted. I realized that I lied. Whatever it might be, okay? And rather than run to God with that thing confessing, and rather than running to my spouse or to my child or to my friend confessing, oh no, I allow Satan to condemn me and to say, you are no good. You are rotten. You are awful. Look at you. Be ashamed and hide yourself even more. As a matter of fact, attack those around you you ever been there you realize something is wrong maybe somebody else reveals something to you that's wrong and rather than conviction and go and say oh i'm sorry we go to condemnation and now we defend and we say i cannot allow this to be seen i cannot allow this to be known i cannot allow this to be there and you know what you're doing then You know what you're doing? You're saying, Holy Spirit, I don't want your help. I don't want your help. James says this. Here's another one to write down. James chapter 4. says, God, oh, this is a scary verse. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. You see, when I do wrong, I want it is I'm acknowledging him and everything, and he will make my path straight if I follow what he calls me to, and that is respond to conviction. Corinthians makes a, delineates between a, a godly sorrow, I'll use this hand, godly sorrow, conviction, leads to repentance, and worldly sorrow, protection, defend, leads to death. Relational death, spiritual death, family, friend death. It's part of our intimacy with God, folks. We've got, we've got to know what to do when we do wrong. We've got to know what to do when we do wrong because we're going to do wrong. You are not perfect. Your kids aren't perfect. They're going to do wrong. They're going to do wrong. 
What are you going to do then? Defend? Fight? Mm -mm. Respond to conviction. See, it's just like the raising of a child. It's just like the raising. But sadly, some of us have, we haven't understood this, and so we're like, you know, 46-year-old babies. (laughs) Here's what we got to work on. Here's what we gotta, here's what we gotta allow God to do in our life. First of all, you gotta know who you are. You gotta know your identity. You gotta know who God is and who you are. Who God has always been and who God has made you. Identity. Our walk. How we what drives us? The youiest part of you, okay? The the thing that the motive and the the thoughts, the the part that is just Right now, covered by flesh. Walk as Jesus walked. We've got to know how to feed ourselves. We've got to know how to feed ourselves. We've got to know how to talk vertically, how to talk horizontally. And we've got to know what to do when we need cleaned up. How to clean up our mess. It's not an original thought. It's not an original thought at all. A guy named Dan Spader put it together. I stole it from him. He might have taken it from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's what it really means. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Notice Him. Perceive Him. See Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. How's your intimacy with God? It's not measured by attendance. It's not measured by your ability to quote verses. It's not measured by how long it's been since you've you know, committed a particular sin. No, no, no. It's measured by, do you know who God is? Do you know who you are? Walking as Jesus walked. Feeding yourself. Talking to God. And cleaning yourself up when needed. Let's go to the Lord. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this. Give us, give us direction, Lord, on how to live out what you call us to. We're hungry for your presence. We're hungry to be close to you, Lord. We want to be intimate with you. Show us what that means, Lord, in a very practical way. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.